Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rama.org.au forward slash media. Well, I have the wonderful privilege and blessing of sharing the word with you today. So I want to know, have we got people in the house that are hungry for the word? Are you hungry? Jesus said in Matthew 5 verse 6, he said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. So when you come hungry, Jesus has said that you're going to be filled. And you know, we understand physical hunger. When, when we're hungry, what happens? We get these little hunger pangs in our tummy. Our body tells us that it's time to eat. Well, Jesus also said in Matthew 4.4, he said that man shall not live by bread alone, by physical food. We weren't designed for that, to live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. This word is so full of life and nutrition for us. You know, physical food feeds our physical needs, right? It gets us through the day. It nourishes us. Well, this food right here is the bread of life, and it feeds us for victorious and glorious living every day. Amen? So praise God for his word. And we need to train ourselves. We need to train these spiritual appetites because who knows that we can get very easily distracted and very easily satisfied by other things. So we actually got to train ourselves and these appetites, spiritual appetites, to be hungry for the word. Because again, Proverbs says that they are life. They're life to us and they're health to all our flesh. How awesome is that, that this is not just um, spiritual, but it becomes health to our flesh. When we receive this word, this living word into our bodies, it's health to our flesh. So... I personally have made a decision to always come into the house of God hungry, not satisfied by other things, but to come hungry. So as we've prepared our hearts in a time of worship, let's just pray and ask God again to minister to us through his word. Heavenly Father, we thank you that your word is sharper than a two-edged sword. And we thank you, Father, that your word never returns void, but always accomplishes the purpose for which it was sent. So today, Father, we come into your presence and we say that we're hungry. We're hungry for your living word. We're hungry. We want to be edified and satisfied by your word. So we do. We step into that place of receiving. And we want to receive from you today. In Jesus' name, amen. So throughout the month of January, we're looking at a series called Difference Makers. And the purpose of that theme throughout this month is to equip us with tools and the word and wisdom to live victoriously. Who's for that? Who wants to live this life of faith in victory? I do. I do. I want to live like more than a conqueror. I don't want to just survive. I want to thrive. So last week, Pastor James, our wonderful Pastor James Edison, blessed us with a word about living free from offense. 
And who knows that that's very important as a believer because it is one of the tools that the enemy uses to sideline us and to distract us from God's best for us. So thank you, Pastor James. You fed us with real wisdom and that was wonderful. Now, have you noticed how at the beginning of the year, our world has what it calls New Year's resolutions? Yeah? Has anyone made any New, New Year's resolutions? <laughs> I saw a couple of hands that are willing to admit that they did. <laughs> now, I'm not, it's not a bad thing. New Year's resolutions are not a bad thing. They actually can help people to refocus, reevaluate, and recalibrate their lives. And so that's not a bad thing at all. I've got two beautiful girls, one of which is here today, so thank you, sweetheart, for coming. <laughs> but I've got two beautiful daughters who are um, both, both got married last year, three months apart. So that was a, just a little bit exciting for our family. But when the girls were little, we, we had this custom, if you like, that once they started school, at the beginning of each year, we would pray together as a family and we would dedicate and consecrate the year to the Lord. And, um, you know, we just offer up ourselves, our plans, our hopes, and our goals, and whatever lay ahead in that year to the Lord. And often during this time of prayer, the Lord would impress upon my heart a theme or a vision. So, for example, one year it was run with strength, okay? And the words run with strength are not a Bible verse. So, of course, I, I decided at some point to look up what does God say about strength? And we looked at Isaiah 40, the beautiful um, verse that we know that says that those that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They'll mount up on wings as eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not faint. And another one was in Nehemiah, the one that's the joy of the Lord is your strength. So, that theme and vision would become how I prayed for the girls throughout the year. And inevitably when challenges came, and who knows that they do come? Challenges do come. There will be things that slap you in the face or sideline you or try to distract you or um, you know, pull you away from the plans and purposes and the best, God's best for us. And so when those things would come, the beauty of a vision, the beauty of... Um, having a word from the Lord is that it anchors you. It anchors you, it helps you, and it also keeps fueling you. So I want to say that... Um, just had a brain cramp. <laughs> That's all right, we can get brain cramps. <laughs> so when those challenges and everything came, that we would we'd be fueled by that vision. And we'd come back to that and we'd be built up. And so I'm saying all of that to say this, that whilst the secular world has its resolutions, that's fine. But we've got dedication and consecration, okay? And those things, and, and also vision, and they're entirely different things because resolution says, I'm going to do this. It's a decision to act. However, consecration and dedication says, by God's grace and wisdom, I'm entrusting this to him. Can you see the difference? Consecration involves sanctification, setting apart for God, surrender, yielding, a transference of ownership. 
He's my Lord. Enthroned in Christ, he's my Lord. So can you see, one is me, I'm going to do this, and the other is you are the author and the finisher of my faith. Amen? So, are you ready to look at a difference maker for 2017? As we're at the beginning of a new year, not exactly because last Sunday was technically the beginning of the new year, <laughs> but um, right at the beginning of 2017, something else apart from living free from offence that's going to help us to walk in that victory. So my title for today is Walking Worthy. Now, when I told my beloved husband that that's my title, he was a little bit reticent, kind of, whoa, that sounds heavy. <laughs> Doesn't that sound heavy? It does kind of sound heavy. Well, I promise you, this is not going to be heavy, okay? I promise you. <laughs> and our key text is from, from Colossians, but I don't want that just up on the screen just yet. Um, Paul and Timothy are writing to the believers in I'm going to call it Kalosh. I know technically if Jasmine Pillay was here, she'd be ready to correct me real quick. But for the purpose of this exercise, you know, imagination is a good thing. And so I imagine that somewhere in ancient Asia Minor, there's a Roman centurion and he's been in battle and it's been raining and he's walking through the night and he's got his Roman soldier gumboots on and as he's walking, he's going, kalosh, 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 kalosh. Maybe not. <laughs> and he said, I've had enough, I'm stopping here and I'm going to call it kalosh. <laughs> That is entirely not biblical, just for the record. <laughs> I made that up. <laughs> What's even sillier is that this type of, um, um, the term in English for this type of expression where a word sounds like something, it's actually called onomatopoeia. Wow. Onomatopoeia. I mean, who comes up with this stuff? And my wonderful son-in-law would say, Nina, that's a too far moment. He tells me often, I take things too far. <laughs> so let's go to Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. Now, our key text is actually verse 10, but for context's sake, we're going to look at both verses. And it says, For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, this is Paul and Timothy to the Colossians, and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And our focus is verse 10, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So there's four wonderful keys just in that verse alone for dynamic Christian living. But we're only going to look at this first one, walking worthy. The term walk worthy is also seen in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, by the same author, Paul. And he's speaking to the Ephesians and he says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you, I urge you, I compel you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Now, have you ever stumbled on a scripture that you didn't kind of quite grasp or understand? A bit like a rock. You know, you're walking along and you don't see a rock and you kind of stumble. This one was a little bit like that for me. 
I didn't get how I could possibly walk worthy of this awesome, incredible God who's so holy, who's so good, who's so righteous, who's so just, and me, even on my best days, somehow, I'm not. I'm just not. And so I didn't get it. And that's why we're going to look at this, because what helped me, I believe, is going to help you as well. And see, the wonderful thing about the Word of God is that it will never weigh us down. It's not going to bind us up. It's going to, not going to confine us, confine us or restrict or limit us. And I know this because in John 14, Jesus said, I am the way, not a, not our way, not an option, not you know, maybe if you want to go my way, think about it. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And then he also said in John 8, 31, 32, he said, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. So what does the word bring into our lives? When we know, when we know the truth, what does it do? It gives us freedom freedom. Jesus was the living word. He became flesh and he dwelt among us. And in no shape or form at any point is he out to diminish us, to take anything away from our lives. Never, never. He said, have a look at this. We know this one inside out and back to front, but we've got to have a revelation of it. John 10, 10. Jesus said that the thief, who, who, The thief. Who's the thief? The devil. Satan. Lucifer. The enemy. The evil one. The destroyer. So who, who did he say? Comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He has one assignment. He has one agenda. And he hates believers. He hates us. He hates us with a, a hatred we can't even begin to comprehend. But we have someone who loves us. Someone who loves us. And greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. So Jesus said, I came that you would have life and life abundantly. Glory to God. Do you want life abundantly? I do. I do. I do not want to just do life here in my body on this earth and just survive and get by. And oh, it's another day. Praise God. I'm not interested in that. I want, to, I want to thrive. I want to live an abundant life. I want to enter into and receive, like we were singing before, everything that he's made available. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, the truth of God's word always releases us into freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. And that freedom is so exhilarating. It's exhilarating, and it brings joy unspeakable, joy unspeakable and full of glory. Do you know what that means? Joy unspeakable is joy so profound and supernatural, you can't express it. You can't contain it. You can't articulate it. It's supernatural. So whatever you're going through, it's got nothing to do with what we're going through in life. It's got everything to do with who we're anchored to everything to do with who we're anchored to. Hallelujah. His hope is an anchor for our souls. Praise God. And it was Peter who wrote that. He wrote that in 1 Peter, and it was in the time where the church was in fierce persecution. That's why Paul and Silas could sing in a jail. 
They were oppressed. They were beaten. But they were not down and out. They were full of joy, unspeakable and full of glory. Praise God. So I've got to say that we cannot talk about walking worthy without saying that it has absolutely everything. Say everything. Everything. It has absolutely everything to do with us understanding our righteousness in Christ Jesus. We will never in and of ourselves be able to walk worthy of God. We were never meant to. Romans 3.10, first part of the verse, says that there is none righteous. No, not one. Isaiah 64, all our righteousnesses are like filthy rags. And this is why I used to stumble on this. Because has anyone else in here ever felt unworthy? Yes, yes. And you know, there is an appropriate context for that before we become saved, when we have this light bulb moment that Romans 3.23 tells us about and says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So there's an appropriate context for that. And it's in this space that religion tries to make its own way to God. Oh, I feel unworthy and I know that there's something great and wonderful and bigger than me out there. So somehow I'm going to try to do stuff. I'm going to try and reach him on my terms. That's religion. That's man-made that's not from God. He did something so much more wonderful and he came and he reached us. Where we couldn't find that way, he reached to us. How wonderful. This is my God. I get a bit excited about this. Don't know if you noticed. <laughs> oh, praise God. So in order for us to live out the abundant life that Jesus was talking about and to walk worthy... We've got to know who we are and what we have in Christ. There was a movie that my daughters um, enjoyed when they were little called Princess Diaries. And it was about a very ordinary schoolgirl. In fact, she was not just ordinary, she was downright awkward. And that's kind of what made the movie. Um, anyway, so this, this schoolgirl who, through circumstances, finds out that she's actually of royal blood in a different nation. And that revelation for that girl changes everything. All of a sudden, she learns how to speak. She's, she's made over. She looks beautiful. And she learns how to speak and how to carry herself and how to conduct herself as who she really is. And that's what we do. When we learn who we really are in Christ, we learn how to talk like who we are. We learn how to act like who we are. We learn how to live like who we really are. So let's have a look at who we really are. In 1 Thessalonians 5.23, the word tells us that may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So here we see that man is a spirit, has a soul and lives in a body. We're three parts. In Genesis 1.26, God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. Let me just interject here. This whole deal about gender identity crisis that's happening in our world, it's an onslaught on this. 
God created them male and female. He doesn't make mistakes. He didn't get it wrong. And we need to be praying. This is a very important issue in our world today. And people are caught and sucked into the quicksand of this this horrible thing where they don't know who they are and who God created them to be. So when God created man, he created a spirit being with an intellect, will, and emotions with a temporary home, the body. And this is why in Jeremiah 1.4, it says, before you were born. Have you ever thought about that? How could he know? He said, before you were born, I knew you. One translation says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. God knew us, each and every one of us, before we were born, because we're a spirit being. He created that part of us first. And when the time was right, he put that spirit into a body and we were born onto this earth. And so this is why it also says in John 4, 4, that God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And this comes back to why religion is not ever going to work. It's not going to work because it's man's terms. And we didn't create ourselves. God created us. And he's got a plan and a design and a purpose. So in John chapter 3, Jesus is speaking to a man named Nicodemus. We know that story well. Nicodemus is wanting to understand this whole concept. And Jesus is speaking to him and says, you know, you've got to be born again. And Nicodemus is freaked out. He's like, seriously? Really? Ooh? Like, how could I go into my mother's womb again? That's not going to work. And Jesus says so clearly in verse 6 of John chapter 3, he says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, your physical body. And that which is born of the spirit is of the spirit. So it's the eternal spirit that's reborn at salvation. Colossians 2.13 says that when you were dead spiritually in your sins, do you know we were spiritual zombies? Our world has this fascination with, I mean, I'm not into that stuff at all. But, you know, zombie movies and zombie TV shows and zombie this, zombie that. You see kids wearing t-shirts with these horrible, ugly, you know, dead people on them. They have this fascination. Well, when we have not been reborn, we are spiritual zombies. We are dead in our sins, according to Colossians 2.13. So we're dead in our sins and the uncircumcision of our sinful, sinful nature. But God made you alive. We were reborn spiritually with Christ. We we come alive. So, having said that, once we're born again, is everything rosy? Is everything perfect and wonderful? What? No. No. We have the gift of eternal life. We have a whole new identity. We're new creations in Christ Jesus. But you know, for some The minute you become born again, that's when the freight train hits you, smacks you up the side while you weren't looking. Right? Has that happened to anybody or is it just me? (laughs) So let's have a look. I've got a little um, PowerPoint that's going to go up just to help us understand this a little bit further. So we're three parts. We are a spirit, a soul, and a body. The spirit part of us is eternal, The soul part of us is the intellect, the will, and the emotions. And then the body. Now get this for a bad investment. Our world makes it all about this. And why do you think they do that? 
because they're dead. They're spiritually dead. So this is all we've got. So we make it all about this. And, you know, that's a bad investment. It's not going to bring a great return because you can spend eternity dead. I want to spend eternity alive. Hallelujah. I want to spend now alive, but I want to spend eternity alive. So once we're born again, it is the Spirit that longs to commune and connect with God. And it's also in that place that we get religion once again. Because people, we have this like a homing signal within us. Something that yearns for the spiritual, longs for spiritual. So we get all manner of philosophies and faiths and, you know, whatever. Because we long to be connected to our creator. Something in us knows. Revelation comes to the spiritual, to the spirit, to the spirit realm, okay? Revelation comes here. Information comes into the middle zone. Knowledge, our intellect, hungry for information. We live in the information age and we are saturated with information. But it is revelation, fear of the Lord that's the beginning of wisdom. We get our information here. Now, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So information is not a bad thing. Information can be a wonderful thing. And then our flesh, I like Paul said in Philippians 3, he said, we put no confidence in the flesh. When we're believers, we don't put our confidence and our trust in our flesh because we understand that our flesh is weak. So coming back to the spirit, revelation comes to the spirit. When we have revelation, it will always bring humility the prophet Isaiah said, Woe is me, for I'm a man undone. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. When we have revelation to our spirit, we're never going to go, I'm so great, I'm so good, I'm so wonderful, I'm the bomb. We're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. We're going to go, God, you're incredible. You're amazing. You're so awesome. And I'm so humbled that you would love me. I'm so humbled that you care for me. What is man that you're mindful of him? That's what revelation does. Knowledge, when it is mismanaged, can puff up. 1 Corinthians 8 1 says, knowledge puffs up. It can lead to pride. I'm not saying that it does. When it's managed properly and it's yielded to the Lord, for its purpose, it will bring that humility. But that zone of pride that says, my way is the right way. Clearly, you don't know what I know. Clearly, you're inferior. That's pride. That's pride and it stinks. The word tells us that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. I tell you what, I do not ever want to be in that place of pride because I don't want God to resist me. I don't want him to go, no, Nina, I can't listen to your prayers. You're so full of pride. I want to be in that place where I'm humbled and yielded and submitted to him, and he trusts me and will talk to me. So the flesh, the good old flesh that we get to do life with even once we're born again. How fun is that not? <laughs> 
Galatians 5, 16 and 17 says, Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. So we've got this tug of war going on. And it was the Apostle Paul in Romans 7 that he talks about this struggle between the flesh and the reborn spirit. And he says in verse 19 of Romans 7, he says, For the good that I want to do, I don't do it. But the evil that I don't want to do, this I practice. Have we all been there? Have we all been there if we're brutally honest? Yes. So there's this tug of war. I mean, right now, your spirit wants to be here and wants to be hearing this word, and your flesh is going, what's for lunch? What's for lunch? What's on the menu? Oh, that was a good movie I watched last night. <laughs> and so it is the flesh that we have to train to yield. We tell our flesh, you are not the boss of me. You are not the boss of me. So I love that it's this very same man, it's the Apostle Paul, who talks and writes so honestly and openly about the struggles of the carnality of the flesh versus the reborn spirit. He is the very same one that wrote the words about walking worthy. It's him. He said it. He understands it. He gets it. So he's not setting up a benchmark for us that we can't possibly attain. Remember I said it's all about understanding our righteousness in God. So immediately after Paul's very vulnerable discussion, he says in Romans 8 verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation. This is good news to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. This is great news for us. There's no condemnation. Have you noticed when we come under condemnation, where does it target us? Where does it target us? How we think, doesn't it? You start thinking, oh, I'm such a bad person, I've failed again. Or our emotions, you feel bad. You feel unworthy. It's like, oh, I've stuffed it up again. I'm no good. I'm not going to get this. And we come down on ourselves. Now, I want to point out at this point that conviction and condemnation are two entirely different things. Conviction comes to our spirit through a God consciousness, by knowing who he is. And we have that revelation that he's done for us what we couldn't do for ourselves, and that brings humility, and humility brings repentance. We confess our sins, and he's faithful and just, and he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Aren't you thankful? I am. I am so thankful that day by day I can approach the throne of grace boldly. I never need to be ashamed to come into his presence. There's no shame. There's no condemnation. He's waiting with arms open wide. Condemnation comes to our soul, and it's a result of sin and self-consciousness. It's like, me, me, I'm so bad, I'm so terrible, not going to make it, no good. And this is just one example of the truth in 2 Corinthians 10.5, where it says that we are to take every thought captive that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and make it, make it obedient to Christ. Because who does he say that I am? He says that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. 
So we can be secure in who we are and in whose we are in Christ. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. So when we're born physically, when we're born physically, and every single one of us in this room were born physically, because otherwise we wouldn't be here, and that would be weird. So we're here, right? When we're born physically, we are fully 100% human, yeah? 100% human. At no point in our lifetime are we going to become more human than when we were born. I'm not going to turn 16 and bing, I'm suddenly more human than the moment I was born. It's exactly the same. When we're born again in the spirit, we are fully righteous. We're fully righteous. We're never going to become more righteous at any point in our Christian faith and in our walk with God. Will we grow spiritually? Yes. Will we grow into maturity? The same way a baby doesn't stay a baby and becomes an adult, we will grow when we're designed to grow spiritually. And this is why chronological age has absolutely nothing to do with spiritual maturity. You can have an eight-year-old that was born again, you know, 60 years ago, and is less spiritually mature than a 19-year-old who gave their heart to the Lord three years ago. It's all about feeding on the Word, being nourished in the Word, and growing into maturity in Christ. So praise God. So what does it mean to walk worthy? It means to receive him and his provision for us through Christ. He's done for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. There's a few scriptures there. I'm not going to read them out because I'm running out of time. It means to yield and submit our lives to his lordship and authority. Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ and it's no longer I that live, but it is Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, in my body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. It means that we're led by the Spirit. Remember, we don't yield ourselves to the flesh, we walk by the Spirit. Romans 8.14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit, these are the sons of God. We can rely on Him and trust Him to lead us by that Spirit that has been reborn. And that's not something ambiguous or, or uncertain. When we want to know His will, when we want to hear His voice, we come to the Word. And it means that we walk in unity and love. And again, Pastor James beautifully unfolded some scriptures there. But I want to read um, Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. He said, Therefore be imitators of God as dear children. Do you know little kids imitate their dads? They imitate their mums. It's really cute sometimes. You see a little child walking around and sort of doing the same walk as their parent or doing some of the same mannerisms. Well, we're meant to imitate God. And in doing so, we walk in love as Christ has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. The fragrance of God, the fragrance of the love of God lingers. And we were designed to be that lingering fragrance in our world. Because, you know, there's a lot of stuff in our world that stinks, isn't there? You come across people with road rage and... You know, you name it. Go and just do life in the world for a day. 
there's stuff there that stinks. But we are a sweet-smelling aroma. We leave the fragrance of the love of God as we intersect and interconnect with people in our world. So, Jeff, if you would come up. One scripture that James used was Galatians 5.14, and all the law is fulfilled in one word, love your neighbour as yourself. And, you know, we don't have that kind of love, again, ourselves. It's supernatural and it's divine. It comes from God. So, again, we yield. We yield. Our, our, you know, because we want to go, my rights are this. I want this. But no, we yield to the Spirit and we put others before ourselves. And we show people love. So, in closing, I want to read you Ephesians 2, verse 8. And it says, For grace you've been saved, that was God's part, through faith. That was our part to respond. But even that, even our part, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Now, a gift in its very purpose is intended to be received and accepted by choice. Is that true? You get a gift. You've got to receive it. I can't give you a gift if you don't want to receive it. You know, one time I was in a church service and, and the minister said, you know, turn around and greet someone, give them a hug. And I turned around and I went to hug a person behind me and they were, they were like, literally like this. At which point my mind went into that, you know, like slow motion like you see in the movies and I'm going, what just happened? And they're just, they're like this. And so then I put my hand out to shake it and they kind of just looked at my hand like, what is that for? And then finally gave it a quick little shake. I can't get something to you if you don't want to receive it. It's the same with God. He cannot get his love and his goodness and his blessings and his provision, his righteousness to us so that we can walk worthy if we don't want to receive it. And so I love that we sang that song about receiving right at the beginning of this service. So earlier, I told you how our family would dedicate and consecrate our lives to the Lord at the beginning of every year. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is here right now. The Holy Spirit's here. And He's inviting you to receive. He has got so much for each and every one of us. He's got what we need. He's got what we need. He is what we need. So I just want to ask if there's anyone here this morning that wants to make Jesus their Lord and Saviour, if there's anyone here this morning that says, I want that abundant life. I want that freedom that you were talking about. I want that joy. I'm tired of doing it my way. made a way for us. So with every eye closed and every head bowed, is there anyone here today who says, I'm going to go into 2017 making the best decision that I'm ever going to make. I want to receive Jesus. I want Jesus in my life. Put your hand up right now. Don't hesitate. Hallelujah. Thank you, sir. Is there anyone else? Is there anyone else? Don't hesitate. You feel a quickening in your spirit. You feel like a fluttering 
in your stomach, put your hand up. Don't hesitate. Don't let pride get in the way of you making the best decision of your life. Say, I want Jesus and I want to do 2017 different to the way I've done life before. Praise God. Praise God. Let's all pray this prayer together, including, including you who put your hand up. I want you to pray this prayer and to mean it with all your heart. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you that you came to give me life and life abundantly. I come to you now. I confess that I'm a sinner and I receive you as my Lord, as my Saviour, as the sacrifice for my sins. You are my Lord. I give you my life. And I thank you that today is the first day and the best day of my eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at church at If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at rhema.org.au.